0: What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for kicking off your week with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB today. This is a sports ethos presentation, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Orico99 and also at ethosfantasybb. A third place you can also get in touch with me is in our Discord. We are still adding people over to the free side. That is a backup plan in case Twitter were to crash, the site goes down for a day or two, whatever were to happen. Everything would be moved over to Discord. Links to articles, links to podcasts, different notes that you are used to seeing on Twitter that would just all take place on Discord. So send me a message at showorico99 and we will get you guys added up into there. Now we're going to go over a couple of pieces of news that broke over the weekend. And there's actually something like literally in the last couple of minutes as I've hit record here that has happened. There's been a signing, a fairly big name, a former MVP winner. So we're going to talk about that. And we're also going to go through the brand new uh, Zips projections that have just come out today. They've been released for the Boston Red Sox. Uh, Dan Zimborski over at Fangraphs takes care of those, and they'll be coming out team by team, I think one team per day. And we're not always going to spend the day that they come out going over the projections, uh, but it's, it's new projections. It's something interesting to look at, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. And I think what we'll do more so going forward is, you know, recap like once a week. Once there's been a few teams that have come out, we will recap them. Uh, but between that and the news that we have over the weekend and today, I think that we'll have a fairly full show uh, still with just looking at the one team and a couple of signings. But that one signing that did just take place, Jose Abreu has signed with the Houston Astros. Uh, I'm not sure about term yet. I'm just trying to see if they've announced anything. Oh, they have. It's a three-year deal. This is brand new, guys. Right as I've hit record here, this is information is still coming out. Three-year deal for Jose Abreu in Houston. Now, my initial thought is that this is very good for his fantasy value. Um, I'm going to take a look at his ADP right now. 128 right now on the ADP. That's a pretty decent bargain, I think, if he is going to be batting somewhere in the middle of that lineup. You have to assume he's going to be in the 4 through 6 area somewhere. Eric Cross just tweeted out the projected lineup. I'm not sure if he's getting this from Roster Resource or wherever he's getting it from, but Jose Altuve 1, Bregman 2, Jordan Alvarez 3, Abreu 4, Tucker 5, Pena 6. That is stupid deep for any team in history, really. like That's a historically good lineup, I think you could argue. You're taking a team that just won the World Series and you're adding in an MVP level player into that mix. That is always going to help. Now, obviously, Abreu isn't quite at those levels anymore, but we're still talking about an incredibly talented hitter. He just batted over 300. Yes, the power was down a little bit this year, and overall, the counting stats were a little bit as well, specifically talking about the RBIs. But the White Sox were a trash heap this season. Uh, I'm sorry to Mike Carter, or any other White Sox fans listening. The White Sox were were terrible. I mean, they really, really underachieved. I think they finished exactly 500. Uh, they weren't really, um, you know, performing to the best of their abilities this season. I think that they will be better. I think now that Tony larusso is gone, the team will be better. Uh, but it's hard to look at this as anything but a win for Jose Abreu. Uh, he's 35 years old. He's only played in the big leagues for nine seasons because he came over from Cuba. His first year was when he was 27 years old. Now, we did see some of the power go away, um, but otherwise it was a very serviceable year, and in that Astros lineup, those RBIs will almost certainly return close to the 100 range where we were accustomed to seeing Jose Abreu produce literally every full year of his career. 2018 was the only year where he didn't play a full season. It was 128 games. He drove in 78 runs that year, and of course there was the shortened year in 2020 where there was only 60 games. But his RBI totals in every full season 107, 101, 100, 102, 123, 117, and then this year 75. I would be banking on a rebound specifically in RBIs. Maybe we don't see the home runs get up so high again, you know, in that 15 to 20 range possibly. Maybe even he goes to like a 13, 15 kind of home run player. I wouldn't expect the drop-off in power to be quite that drastic. Uh, The slugging is still pretty good, 481 last year, 446 this year. I think that we could still see him hitting that 15 to 20 home run range and the counting stats will just stay about where we have known them to be throughout his career. Uh, You know, roughly 100 RBIs between 85 and 95 runs scored somewhere. Maybe he touches 100. I I wouldn't bank on that uh, given the lack of speed there. But I think that we can see something close to what we saw in those early years in Chicago where you're seeing, you know, maybe – I'm trying to think about where I expect him to finish fantasy-wise. I think he could easily be a top 60 or 70 player right now. And he is being drafted well below that at 128. Obviously, there was some uncertainty there. The minimum and maximum picks, there are quite a big difference. Uh, 87 minimum, 162 maximum. We're going to see that ADP start to go up and up. I would imagine that he probably ends up around you know, the Vinny Pasquantino range of 90. And, I mean, I'm looking at all drafts. I guess I should probably just be looking at at DCs right now because the Gladiators um, have maybe messed up some ADP data. But, yeah, he's still 127 if you're just looking at the DCs. Uh, Those Gladiator formats, I've talked about them a little bit. It's where you just draft 23 players for the whole season. No moves. That's all you have. And we've seen some weird picks in that format, so the ADP numbers are a little skewed if you're including those. But if you're just looking at the draft champions, there have been 27 of them. Abreu going at pick 127 on average behind guys like Reese Hoskins, CJ Crohn, Nathaniel Lau, or Nathaniel Lowe, excuse me. Um, I I think that we'll see him jump ahead of all those guys by the time we get to the point where everybody's drafting. Uh, For sure, a top 100 pick for me at this point. And, you know, you could argue the sixth best first baseman for fantasy with this move. He's still somebody who's going to hit for a high average. You know, counting stats, everything should be, pretty much there uh, for Jose Abreu. I'd take him ahead of Hoskins. I'd take him ahead of Crone, and I would take him ahead of Nathaniel Lau. Now, if we're talking Vinny Pasquantino, I think it's probably pretty close. Vinny has a higher ceiling. Um, I think Abreu might have a higher floor in that lineup. So it's, it's going to be close uh, between the two of them. I think you're going to likely see them both go around picking 80 to 90 by the time it's all said and done. But if you're hopping in a draft right now or if you're currently in a draft, whatever, um, and your pass pick 100, Jose Abreu still sitting there, I would jump on it personally. I think that this is going to be a, a great value pick um, for fantasy for next season. And it's it's kind of shocking, Jose Abreu in Houston. But that is the news that we have uh, from this morning, or just from really 20 minutes ago. Um, another piece of news, um, let's see. We have Mike Clevenger. I was looking at this Hall of Fame stuff that they have Um yeah, they're going to be uh, Chipper Jones, Greg Maddox, uh, Jack Morris, and Ryan Sandberg are among 16 members of the Contemporary Baseball Committee that will meet Sunday to consider the fate of uh, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Raphael, uh, Palmero. I thought that that was going to be something a little bit different. I thought there would be some actual news here. I don't know what significance this is really going to have. Uh, I don't think it's anything that's really going to be worth talking about so much. And I don't think you guys were so crazy about me going off of the fantasy um, side of things last week. Just as a side note, the downloads for those Hall of Fame uh, shows were a little bit lower. Um, I think you guys want me to just stick to fantasy. I don't think there's anything too big going on here. Uh, We'll we'll get back to this maybe tomorrow or if there's any other news that comes out of this. Essentially, um, they're just going to be talking about if – Bonds and Clemens and these other cheaters should be going into the Hall of Fame, I think. Uh, Nothing really too important there. Uh, Mike Clevenger is the next piece of really, really interesting news, I think. One-year deal worth $12 million that he signed with those same Chicago White Sox that Jose Abreu just left. Now, I've seen a lot of people talking on Twitter about how they don't want anything to do with Mike Clevenger. Uh, They want nothing. And I don't think that I am quite there yet. Uh, He has definitely had a bad season, but he's also coming off a Tommy John surgery, and the first year off of Tommy John is very rarely anything to write home about in a good way. Uh, If you look at the career numbers before, he'd never thrown that many innings, really. You're talking 53, uh, 121, 200, 126. Bounced around a little bit, but his ERAs were always around three, uh, excluding that first year where he just, You know, he threw 53 innings. You got a 311 ERA, 302, 271, 302. And the career FIP, if you even include this year, is 379. But those seasons, those full seasons, 385, 352, 249. Even this year, 415. It's not great. It's certainly not great, but it's not the end of the world. Specifically, after Tommy John surgery, most players need a year to get fully recharged again. Uh, get the velocity fully back up there. And the strikeouts, you know, the strikeouts are something that will come with that as well. He's been a guy who's been mid-20s in his career for strikeout percentage, 25.8 for the career. We've seen him put up 21%, 27, 25, 33, 24. This year he was at 18.8% strikeout rate, but that is something I would expect to rebound a little bit uh, as he, you know, as another year removed from surgery. Fastball velo was down, slider velo was down, curveball velo was down, and changeup velo was also down. This is something that it will just take a bit of time. And I, I I understand people saying they're not big fans of Clevenger. I'm not a big fan of Clevenger. But he's not exactly expensive here. Um, if I just go to the ADP right now, again, factoring out the, uh, the Gladiator formats because that does mess with things a little bit. Mike Clevenger is going as pick 323. That doesn't feel that expensive to me. Uh, if you're talking about, you know, 15-team draft, you're getting him in round 21, 22, somewhere in there. Uh, it's not a huge risk, I don't think, with somebody who can give you mid-20 strikeout percentage on a team that's not going to be great, I don't think, but I think they'll be okay. If you just look at their starting rotation, Cease, Lynn, Giolito, Kopech, and now Clevenger, I think that they could potentially make some noise there. If is a fourth or fifth starter, I would imagine he's probably the fourth starter. I mean, maybe we'll see. We'll see how they eventually uh, settle into things here, but I think that there's some decent value to be had uh, around pick 300, 325. That's that's honestly, I'm not gonna say it's a bargain for him. It's not a bargain. Uh, if you're talking a 15 or a 50 round 15 team draft, then he's still gonna be one of your, you know, someone taken in the first half of the draft. It's not like he is dirt cheap, but relatively speaking, for what he can do. Uh, I I think it's a pretty fair price to pay for Mike Clevenger. If he's going to be like your, I don't know, seventh, eighth, ninth, probably seventh or eighth pitcher that you take, I would be totally fine with that. He's obviously not an ace or anything like that. Don't don't misconstrue what I'm saying. He's had seasons in the past where he's put up ace-like numbers, four-plus win seasons in terms of war. And I think that we're kind of just ignoring that because of one bad season. You know, he's never been an elite starter, but he has shown elite stuff here and there, and I would be taking a chance on him in that range. If you're talking even like a 12-team draft where that would probably be like your last pick, I don't see any harm in taking Clevenger with the, you know your very last round of your, of your Yahoo ESPN drafts or what have you. Uh, he, he'll go undrafted in a lot of those formats. Uh, Ten-teamers for sure he'll go undrafted in most of them, 12-teamers. But I think if he's your last pick, second-last pick there, that would make a lot of sense for me. And I I would look into it. Uh, Not that I'm saying I would definitely do it, but if you're a little bit weaker on pitching at that point, there's some decent upside left in Mike Clevenger that I think we're generally ignoring, and we probably shouldn't be. One more piece of news we're going to talk about here, uh, Carlos Santana. I don't think that this is a huge deal, but, I mean, it's crazy. It's it's crazy and it's not crazy at the same time. It's their largest free agent deal they've given out in six years, five, six years. It was a one-year, $6.7 million contract for Carlos Santana. Now, I'm not a big Carlos Santana guy. He gets on base at a very healthy rate, uh, career 359 on base percentage. He's always walking close to as much as he's striking out. The career walk percentage, 15.2, strikeouts, 16.5. And he had an all right season. He had 19 home runs. He drove in 60. He scored 52. This is not a great location for fantasy value going to Pittsburgh, but the fact that they have given him this money leads me to believe that he's going to play every day. I think where he's going in drafts, I don't mind taking a dart throw on him somewhere at the, in the back half of your draft. His ADP is like six fifty right now. It really doesn't cost you so much to take a chance on him there. I not that I'm not that I would like advocate drafting him in a lot of cases. You know, have a lot of Carlos Santana shares, but yeah, his ADP is six oh five. If you're taking him there, fairly low risk, and you're getting a guy who I think is going to play most days, especially. I mean, especially, of course, if he's healthy, he's going to be out there, I think, given this financial investment. There's a couple of other first basemen uh, that he's going to be competing with there. Um, I'm blanking on the name. Uh, G-Man Choi, uh, Miguel Andujar perhaps will play some first. But I think that we're going to see Carlos Santana probably play the majority of, of the first base position there. And I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed um, to taking him as a bench bat late in those draft champions formats. If you're talking 10-, 12-team leagues, you can't draft Carlos Santana. If he gets hot, maybe you'd pick him up at some point. The rosters just simply aren't deep enough in those formats for you to take a chance on him. But I do think if you're talking, you know, a pool where you draft 750-odd players, he is going to be somebody where there might be some value around pick 600 and him. Even this, this season and last season, pretty similar production. We saw 19 home runs each year, uh, 69 ribbies last year, 60 this season. I think that he's going to be a fairly interesting play, and I'm I'm very far from a Carlos Santana guy, but I'm going to be drafting him probably in more leagues than I would have imagined. So just something to keep in mind there. Um, he's, he's not a bad player, specifically if you are in an OBP format. It's going to be just another little added boost because the batting average uh, is certainly not going to do too much for you in recent years specifically. That's the main thing with him, low batting average, and of course the Pirates around him aren't going to be great, but I think I'm fairly confident taking him around pick 600 here. Now let's talk about some of these projections. I am not a big numbers guy, I am not a huge math guy. You guys probably know this from listening to the podcast. I will go into advanced stats, I will dive into them as deep as I possibly can, Um, Not that I do it every single pod or anything, but when I get into the stats, I really sit down with them and try and figure out what does this mean, uh, what am I going to be doing with this information. And I think with Zips, again, I don't know exactly what goes into it, but they seem to be fairly accurate in terms of how they project players year in and year out. Uh, Dan Zimborski is a senior writer with Fan uh, fan Graphs and also an ESPN contributor. He puts them together, and he's going team by team here, like we said off the top. And we're going to start with the Boston Red Sox. They are a hard team to project, like he says here in his write-up. Uh, Xander Bogarts and J.D. Martinez, we're not sure what's going to happen with them. And obviously, if they leave, uh, it, it would be bad for the roster. The one projection here, and I, I think for the most part, I, I like these a lot. I think that they are looking like what you would probably expect to happen at the end of the season. Uh, if you look back and saw all these numbers, you'd be like, yeah, this is, this is pretty fair. The only one gripe I'm going to have here is with Raphael Devers. And it's the same gripe that I had when we talked about him earlier. Um, I can't remember if it was the steamer projections, how highly they had him. But Dan hasn't projected here for 103 runs and 112 RBIs. And the way the projections work, they're a 50th percentile uh, expectation. You're not projecting too high. That's why if you look at you know Dodgers' wins projections, you're not going to see them projected at you know 112 108 wins you're probably going to see like 90 something because these are supposed to give you a median mean middle kind of outcome um with rafael devers if he were to attain those numbers runs and rbis i think that would be closer to like a best case scenario 80th 90th percentile outcome Um, last season 27 homers 84 runs 88 rbis if we see bogarts and jd martinez leave which is still up in the air, we don't know what's going to happen, I would have a hard time believing that he's going to get to 100 RBIs and 100 runs again. It's totally possible he is talented enough that he could muscle enough balls out of the park, give you, you know, the home runs, no problem, 33. Um, But in terms of 112 RBIs, that is going to take, like, a significant lineup around him for him to be able to put up those kind of numbers. I'm Just looking at the RBI leaders this year, there was only... Four people who were able to do that. Uh, Pete Alonso, Aaron Judge, Jose Ramirez and Paul Goldschmidt were the only guys to attain those numbers. Ramirez is the only one who was in really a lineup that wasn't so great without stars around him and even then uh, he still had a really solid team uh, around him there. If Bogarts and if JD Martinez leave then we're looking at some combination of Devers and Story, Kike Hernandez uh, Alex Verdugo, Tristan Cassis. I don't think it's the deepest group and I would worry projecting Devers for more than what he had last year, especially if we're talking 50th percentile. If you're going to project him for, like, you know, exactly about what he did last year, I would argue that's probably a 50th percentile here. And at one point in these projections, we have, like, 80th and 20th percentile outcomes. Um, but I believe they are just for um, – they're just for, like, advanced stats. So, like, the 80th percentile for Devers for batting average, 315 – Um, And we also have 20th percentile, 20th percentile for batting average 264. Um, I just think that they're a little bullish on Devers when I would be more so if we knew for a fact what the team around him was going to look like. And I know that that's the problem um, with with making projections right now is we don't have a full, clear picture of what the team is going to look like. We could hear tomorrow that Devers and Bogarts are not coming back. Bogart signs with wherever Devers is traded to the Dodgers, whoever. Uh, I'm not expecting it, but it's totally possible, and then these would all have to be reworked. And I think with the Bogarts and J.D. Martinez situation, I'm not so worried about J.D. Martinez because he's still, he's still a guy, but he's not the biggest producer anymore. I think if Bogarts leaves, then we're going to have a lot of trouble seeing Devers have a an 100-and-100 100 100 season. That's my main gripe with these. I think that we're likely going to see, you know, he'll still be an elite offensive talent, but I think a lot of it will come from the home runs and from the batting average. I don't know that we're going to see this level of counting stats with him. In terms of Bogarts, they have him projected for 20 homers, 83 ribbies, 87 RBIs. It feels generally pretty right. Uh, I don't have any big problems with this at all. Six stolen bases for him. It all seems pretty pretty okay for Bogarts. Trevor Story has pretty interesting projections. Uh, 21 homers, 72 ribbies, 16 stolen bases for Story. I think that that is very capable, or he is very capable of that. And honestly, the more I look at it, I think that that's even maybe a touch light for what we know Trevor Story could do. In 94 games this year, 16 homers and 13 stolen bases. Now, these project for at-bats and they're projecting for 463 at-bats for Trevor Story. This year he had 357 at-bats. So it's still projecting him to miss some time but also put up, you know, really solid per-game numbers. I guess that's fair. Um, I'm not sure why we're projecting so much missed time from him exactly. Um, maybe he does I'm not I can't remember the his state of his injury I don't think he's going to be going into the season uh missing time I can't recall uh I don't think he's supposed to miss time to start next season maybe we're just you know forecasting that there probably will be some problem that comes up along the line um a little bit strange honestly just projecting him for so such a low number of at bats uh Kike Hernandez also projected for 413 it feels kind of low. And again, maybe I'm forgetting there was an injury with Kike Hernandez or something. Um, but that's that seems a, a little bit low. Again, um, I'm not the most savvy in terms of how these work, in terms of the calculations that go into them. All I can do is look at the numbers and tell you if they make sense to me or not. And of course, Dan is the expert. I am the guy who is trying to just make a little bit more sense here for the common man, I suppose you could put it. Uh, I, I am no expert, but just looking at some of these things, uh, for the most part, I, I agree with 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 most of it. But there is the odd little thing here and there that that does stand out. And those at bats, maybe a little bit lower than we should be expecting. Four sixty three would give you one hundred and ten, maybe one hundred and ten games, hundred some odd games. Uh, feels feels a little bit light. But going down this board, no no real grievances anywhere. Um, I was talking with Dan. I I, I messaged him this morning. Because I had a question because again, I'm not I'm not the most savvy with these. And I was just wondering in terms of the minor league players, some of the projections looked pretty high. Uh, Nico Cavadas specifically is a guy who's never played above double A. And says 20 home runs and 86 RBIs. And honestly, I just asked Dan, I said, like, is this for what you expect like, between the majors and minors? Is this what you're expecting regardless of where he plays? And this is according to Dan, what would happen if they played in the majors. So we can look at these projections and kind of see if certain players were to be called up, what we could generally expect from them throughout the season. And Nico Cavadas, he's projected to have a very low batting average with 20 homers, 86 RBIs, and 91 hits, 51 runs. Uh, That is what he would be projected for at the major league level. Something to keep an eye on if he were to get called up. Uh, A lot of power there, a lot of swing and miss as well, but something to keep an eye on. I don't know that we're Likely to see him this year, uh, but if we were, it could be interesting. Uh, Tristan Casas as well, uh, he's projected for 14 homers, 58 RBIs, uh, 90 hits, 54 runs, and two stolen bases. It uh, feels pretty correct. I- I'm honestly, you know, when looking at most of these, they feel like what you would probably uh, expect when going through these. The only the only real, real gripe that I have is Devers. I think that we're over-projecting him a little bit. Without the certainty of knowing where he's going to be, I think he'll probably be in Boston, but we don't know the certainty of where he'll be, and the certainty of the batters who are going to be around him in that lineup. There are also some advanced statistics here as well. Uh, there's, it's really well done. You get the standard statistics, you get the advanced statistics. You know, you get on-base slugging, OPS plus, ISO, BABIP, uh, WAR numbers, and then you also get player comps, which I think is really interesting here. Some of them. Would surprise you a little bit. Uh, the number one hitter comp for Raphael Devers is Kyle Seager. It seems a little bit underwhelming. Same for Trevor Story. The number one comp, Ian Desmond, a little bit underwhelming. Um, you know, Xander Bogart's Dave Bancroft is his biggest comp, and he played like a long, long-ass time ago, Dave Bancroft. He played in the major leagues in the 1910s and 20s, retired nineteen thirty. Uh, the number two comp for Xander Bogarts is Barry Larkin. Pretty interesting, and I think that's a that's a really good comp uh, for Bogarts. Similar kind of game, similar kind of style of, fan- or not even fantasy, but similar kind of production levels. Uh, really, really interesting page to go here. If you go to Dan Simborski's um, Twitter page or if you go to Fangraphs, you can find these. And it, it's really cool to see how statistics will determine your best comps because looking at Ian Desmond with Trevor Story, you might think like, Oh like that's not that's not good if that's where we're going with Trevor story, but looking at Ian Desmond, I'd forgotten that he was giving you twenty twenty seasons pretty regularly with kind of a mediocre all right two fifty two sixty kind of batting average years where he was two ninety years where he was in the two thirties uh but it's honestly pretty on the nose for for what we're talking about with Trevor' story, so I would very highly recommend looking at these pages even if you don't use them. In your actual drafting or in your own process, they are very, very interesting. And Fangraphs does a fantastic job with all their work. But this is something that you can tell a hell of a lot of effort went into it. And you should be using them um, at least to some degree to just kind of figure out generally what is expected of a player. Let's talk about some of the starters here real quick or some of the pitchers in general for Boston. They are a tricky team to project because there are guys like Tanner Houck, like Garrett Whitlock, like John Schreiber. We're not sure what the situation is going to be in their bullpen. And I want to take a look at roster resources because it's, it's, it's a bit of a mess, to be honest with you, in terms of everything with the Red Sox. Um, their lineup is in flux, to say, to say it kindly. We don't know who's going to be there, who's not going to be there. The pitchers, the guys who we know are going to be there, not really that much certainty about the production that they're going to give you. You know, Chris Sale on the roster, excuse me, on roster resource is listed as their number one starting pitcher for next season. Definitely risky, given Chris Sale and given you know his projections for next year sixteen starts, three ninety five ERA. You know, they think he'll throw eighty two innings. Yeah, that's probably about correct. Uh, And in the bullpen, I mean, I want to start with the bullpen here because I think that's. I mean, it's all a mess. Really, the Red Sox are just a huge mess. But we don't know who is going to be closing for them. Matt Barnes is listed as one of the closers. Tanner Houck and John Schreiber all listed in closer positions for next year. Garrett Whitlock listed as the SP5. That's something that is going to be really hard in drafts to figure out where you're taking these Red Sox. And I don't believe uh, there are save projections here. I don't think saves are a part of these. No, they're not, and you know I can't blame them at all because saves are just nearly impossible to figure out. Even if you're talking about you know the Mets or or Cleveland, how many saves are Class A and Diaz going to get, or Jordan Romano, or Hendricks or Hayter, anybody? It's hard enough in those situations. Here, it would literally just be blindfolding yourself, trying to shoot a bullet with another bullet uh, while you're you know while you're drunk. Like it, it's impossible. It's really impossible to figure out. Uh, The Red Sox bullpen here. So everybody's projected for fairly good numbers in that pen. Uh, Whitlock, 344 ERA. uh, Schreiber, 367. Um, Not bad. Tanner Houck, 414. Not great. Uh, And Matt Barnes, 427. A little bit high as well. Uh, But overall, a lot of decent arms in that pen that they're going to need to figure out a hierarchy. Or maybe they won't. Maybe they'll just leave fantasy managers and baseball analyst people uh, kind of guessing throughout the off season, But that's going to be something that is very frustrating, is drafting Red Sox, potential closers, and hoping that one sticks uh, in whatever format you're drafting. In terms of the starters, though, Chris Sale, not, not the greatest projections. They're not bad. Um, but I think if you were to draft him, you'd probably be hoping for more than a 3.95 ERA. I need to take a look at Chris Sale's ADP because I haven't been keeping such close track on him. I can't imagine it's that high, although people... Oh, it's higher than it should be. It's 160. Yeah, I mean, even regardless of looking at these projections, I don't think we can take Chris Sale anywhere near that range. Uh, the maximum pick is 197. He has not fallen out of the top 200 yet. I don't know how we can draft Chris Sale with with any degree of confidence, regardless of what any projections say. He's been injured for quite a while now. He's 33 years old. And we've seen him for several years not be able to really pitch consistently. It's been since 2019 when he was actually able to throw 25 starts. Since then, missed all 2020. He was nine starts in 2021, and it was two starts this season. I don't know that we can really trust him as he gets older. He's still very good when he goes out there. But I, I would tend to agree with these projections that we have to be kind of cautiously not even really optimistic. We just have to kind of be cautious uh, with Chris Sale. And I think drafting him where he's going, you know, looking at these projections, looking at what we've seen from him in these last few seasons, it feels very, very risky. So uh, it's just another reason to probably stay away from him when you look at these 16 starts. That's maybe going to happen. Maybe he gets you to 20, but there's just no certainty there. So I don't think Chris Sale is somebody we can really – Uh, draft inside the top 200 it feels crazy to me uh Brian Bayo is somebody who I think the projections are are pretty interesting for uh they think he'll play in 29 games start 26 of them the ERA at 399 135 innings 140 strikeouts he's somebody who might be a little bit interesting to draft here and his price is fairly low at 323 you're getting the same projections you're getting except I mean same ERA projections with more starts from Bayo. uh he had a Pretty rough year last year when he came into the bigs. Uh, There was a couple of, you know, brighter spots (laughs) for him. But he was not somebody who did particularly well. And the projections think that he will rebound in his second year. There was a lot of hype around him when he got called up. And then it was kind of a rough go of it at the big league level. He had a 4-0-4 BABIP. He only left 68% of batters on base. It was not good. It was really not good for him. Uh, But I think that we can see him rebound a little bit. And these projections just give you a little more peace of mind in terms of what you're going to get out of him. So Brian Bayo is somebody to keep an eye on when you're getting to that mid-300 range of your draft. 323, uh, that feels feels really nice. And honestly, was that the same number where Clevenger was going? 323? Uh, Yeah, it's exactly the same number. Maybe I'll throw out a poll later because I think polls are interesting. Maybe they they take away from uh, actual discussions on Twitter, but you you generally see what people are thinking. Uh, Both going at the same place. Personally, I don't even know who I would prefer to draft. Probably Bayo, uh, but either one at that point I think makes a really nice little dart throw uh, when you're talking about your 20th round and beyond here. I think they could both have some... Some good value, so that's something to keep an eye on as well. Uh, these these pitchers, and that's another reason you use projections is to see some guys who maybe you wouldn't be so so big on. And I wouldn't look at any one set of projections and say, okay, he's going to do this exactly. That's not how it works. You look at your different ones that you get in the Baseball Forecaster and here on Fangraphs, and you know a ton of them are on Fangraphs. Really, they have a whole projections page with a ton of them listed out. I would go across all of them. I would use ATC where we talked about Ariel Cohen's projections. He does an aggregate of all the other projections, and I'm not sure. He, he has to tinker with them himself, decide what's being weighted, how much. Uh, but those are the ones where I'd probably look at because he'll factor in these. He'll factor in streamer. He'll factor in the bat. He'll factor in, I think I said streamer, steamer. Uh, he'll factor in all of those things. So I'd probably look at that one the most, but any individual uh, projection system, you can kind of look at and just generally say as long as they're not too off from what the other people are saying and you know like we said dan's been doing this i believe 18 19 years uh he he knows what he's talking about you see a random guy who i mean on the red Sox, it's kind of hard to pick one specifically but maybe it is a, a garrett whitlock where you see okay he's gonna have a projected to have a 344 era uh i think that he'll you know be able to get me some wins out of the starting rotation and he'll also be able to get me some saves Uh, These projections might just give you a bit of a reinforcement of, okay, I was a little iffy about this particular player, but looking at them, I see that X, Y, and Z is true or is projected to be true. So I wouldn't use them as a be-all and end-all, but you look at certain things, projected strikeout rates, projected walk rates, uh, BABIP, and I think that they could be really beneficial. Again, uh, I want to stress this. Look at as many reputable sources of projections and rankings as possible because you're just more informed on the different players in the player pool you're more informed on your own drafts so if you can look at as again many people play fantasy many different ways you might be somebody who just says to hell with the projections and if you you might be somebody who doesn't listen to podcasts in which case you wouldn't hear this but you might just say i'm drafting who i like i'll look at adp I'll enter the draft room half an hour early. I'll take a general look, add some guys to the list, and that's about it. Some people, crazy people like myself, will go through, and a lot of people in this community will spend the entire offseason going through these numbers and projections and trying to figure out their guys for lists, which is the way to do it if you really want to put yourself in a position to make some money. Or if you just want to be competitive in your leagues, you have to look at resources like this, like Pitcher List, like Baseball Savant, Baseball Reference to a lesser extent. You get all the information from reputable sources and try and figure out what you believe in at the end of the day as well because it's something to be told. Um, this guy's going to do this. He's going to have a 3 ERA. He's going to strike out you know, 32% of his batters and walk 5%, and he's going to be a stud. If you really truly don't believe that, then... You shouldn't be drafting the guys. Still, you should. At the end of the day, they're your teams. You should do what you feel is best with your own fantasy teams. But you have great resources available, like on Fangraphs here with these projections. And I, I'm going to be looking at them quite a bit. If you guys want to, uh, Dan Zimborski's Twitter. Um, let me I see the at here before I before I misspeak. Um, it is at D S Z Y M B O R S K I. Uh, D and S are both capitalized, and then lowercase, Z-Y-M-B-O-R-S-K-I. He does a fantastic job with these, and I think they are really cool. Even just looking at some of the pitcher comps, um, you know, if you look at Chris Sale's pitcher comp right now, it's not good. It's Teddy Higuera. I'm probably mispronouncing that, but he was a dude who pitched uh, in the 80s and 90s. Uh, Not the greatest pitcher. He was okay. Uh, Granted, I never saw this dude pitch. He had a couple of good seasons. Uh, But he really, really tailed off uh, down the stretch. So something to keep an eye on. If that's Sale's biggest comp, then we can't really expect so much from Chris Sale. The other comps for him not the greatest either. A lot of comps are a little bit strange and it might not be the first person you think of but then when you really start to dig into the numbers, why they are comped with a certain player, it starts to make a lot of sense. So Uh, highest possible recommendation, go over to Fangraphs, look at the Zips projections. And I believe he's going to be releasing one of them every day. Tomorrow will be the White Sox. I'm interested to see how um, the removing of Jose Abreu and the addition of Mike Clevenger factors into little things. Removing Abreu from the lineup should have some kind of impact on the rest of the team in terms of runs and RBIs. Um, And I'm sure that'll be accounted for. So we will... Probably not take a look at it tomorrow. I think we're going to do once a week. We'll look at the projections, whether they're zips or whether when the bat comes out, an ATC comes out and all the different rankings. I think we'll do probably once a week, maybe on Monday. I'm not sure. We're still figuring it out, playing it by ear here. But we will go uh, once a week and take a look at the teams that have been released and just generally uh, give some opinions and advice on them. And of course, like I said earlier, Dan is the expert. I'm just here to try and give you a little bit more context, but he is the guy Uh, who is the math guy who puts in all these numbers. I'm really, truly not sure how any of these projection systems are come up with. I did one time try and attempt my own formula of calculating value, try to come up with it. It did not go well. It never saw the light of day, and it never will because there are people like Dan who do it so much better. So please do go to Fangraphs.com and check out all the great stuff that they have going on there, projection-wise, roster resource-wise. It's one of the best resources Uh, in the fantasy and in the baseball world. So, guys, I will leave you there after quite a bit of rambling. My apologies. I do do that uh, sometimes. You guys can find me over on Twitter, at JoeOrico99, at EthosFantasyBB. Please do go follow EthosFantasyBB. We are starting to get some more followers these last few days. I really appreciate that. Uh, We're just about at 200, which is still small potatoes for sure. But we've added on a ton of more writers this offseason. We have, I believe, a 10-team staff now. Uh, on baseball, which is really cool. We got Steven Bagel releasing his preview shows or preview articles talking about projected uh, division makeups, who's going to be in which – I'm butchering this, absolutely butchering this promo. Uh, He's looking at each division, and he's talking about what he projects for opening day rosters from the leadoff hitter down to the last guy in the bullpen. So Ethos Fantasy BB, also at sportsethos.com, you can find those – Uh, We have a ton of stuff in the works for baseball. I'm working on some rankings as well. Taking them fairly slowly because I know the tons will change, so I don't want to put out rankings and then have so much change uh, over the course of free agency. But we will definitely have a massive ranking update for you guys at some point probably in the new year. Uh, And until then, they'll continue to follow us. Ethos Fantasy BB. That is where all of the new stuff will be released from. Uh, if you could take a second, leave a five-star review or whatever you think we have earned here on the podcast. I think that's probably the most fair way to put it. Uh, if you guys don't enjoy the podcast, then let me know. Let me know what you guys think I could change. Maybe you'll just stop listening at that point. But if you feel so inclined, uh, leave a couple of words. Let me know what you'd like to see or hear differently. And you know, if you could, uh, leave a five-star. That would be obviously best-case scenario for us and it would really help us grow the show here as we are trying to expand our audience. But guys, that is plenty enough rambling out of me. We will be back here tomorrow. It'll be an evening podcast with Michael Simeone, a.k.a. SP Streamer. We're going to be reviewing the elite tier of starting pitchers from 2022. We are going to look at their ADP so far for 2023 and their general outlook. Does Michael agree? Do I agree? You guys will find out tomorrow evening. So until then, see you on the internet, guys. See you on Twitter. Cheers.